promised land, moving from fear and panic in a world filled with trouble. God wants us to be filled with faith and be overflowing with one of the fruits of the Spirit, peace. In a a world where we face so much trouble, we pray these promises of God uh, are a blessing to you uh, this side of heaven until you reach the promised land with him. I got a quiz for you today. And this is not to ask you how the score or game went last night. Sorry, couldn't resist. The quiz is this, 80s pop culture. How many of you believe you are 80s pop culture uh, experts? Raise a hand. All right. The question uh, that I'm going to put in front of you, I'm looking for an answer, and you just get to shout it out. Everyone, as loud as you can, you know, when you think of 80s pop culture and you hear this question, what's the one-word response? Who are you going to call? See, you guys are 80s pop culture experts. Kudos to you. Like 1984, Ghostbusters, some of you who are children of the 80s remember actually going to the movie theater and seeing it, like thinking it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, Like this movie almost never made it because it cost like 25 to 30 million dollars back in 1984 for the special effects. And special effects in comedy movies was usually a recipe for disaster. Like comedies were not about special effects. It almost, almost never got off the ground, but thankfully it did. It made nearly $280 million in its first year. Over the course of time, multiple releases, like it's, it's a pop culture phenomenon based on all the sequels, all the tangents, all the stuff that people have bought. Almost every Halloween, you might see somebody dressed up in some Ghostbusters outfit because it's a part of the pop culture in which we live. And perhaps most of all, what makes it memorable and famous to many people is the song, the number one song on the movie soundtrack that Ray Parker Jr. wrote, right? Over and over again, the question is raised, who are you going to call? When there's something weird and you don't look good, who are you going to call? When there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Okay, so you kind of got the gist. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Like, I'm going to do two things. One is, I know you didn't come here for Ghostbusters and me telling you all the information about it. If you love it, great. If you don't, That's okay, too. And I also apologize, because now all of you are going to have that song in your head for the rest of the day. (laughs) Like, my wife came to church on Thursday, and as we were driving out for dinner on Friday, she played it (laughs) over and over again, and she was singing it. I'm like going, oh, no, did you remember anything in the sermon besides Ghostbusters? (laughs) So just clear that out of your head. But remember the question. Like, that's the reason I brought it up. Like, what was going on in New York City? There was no one who could solve the problem. The mayor ultimately had to get them out of jail because the only person you could call were the Ghostbusters to deal with the problem that New York City was facing. Like, they were the only solution. They were who you had to call for help with that problem. And I want you to have that in your minds today. I want you to actually literally think about who it is that you call when you are in need of help. Who do you call? Like today we're going to focus on the spiritual, but I want you to think about it in your life. Who do you call when you are in need of help? Like who makes the list and why are they the ones that you call? Oftentimes the people that we call, we we call for help. We believe uh, that they are the right place to go to because uh, their willingness is probably there and their ability is something that we know. 
Like if you need medical advice, if you need something done, medically speaking, you, you call your doctor, someone you trust who has knowledge in that. If, if you need insight or wisdom when it comes to, to financial matters and planning, uh, you, you reach out to that person that you trust with your investments. When, when you think of other issues in your life, maybe relationally, you have a go-to person that you know has gone through it, you reach out to them for help because you rely on A, their ability, and B, their willingness. Like, we all know this in our life. We have go-to people to call for certain reasons when we are in need of help. Like in my family. Like my son knows who he's going to call in certain situations. And when my caller ID shows my son, my wife's jaw drops because she gets really scared because he never calls me for anything but one thing. Like when he needs help, and encouragement because school is so hard, he calls mom. Like when he's had relational issues and, and relationships throughout his life where things haven't been good and, and he needs someone to, to, to sympathize with him and empathize, he calls mom. Like when he wants to call and let us know how he's doing and check in on how we're doing, he doesn't call me, he calls mom. But there's one reason he always calls dad. Money like financial resources, like, hey, dad, I'm broke. I need someone to co-sign on our lease for our apartment in college and now beyond. Would you do it? <laughs> Never's called mom. Always dad. I've done it four times. Dad, like, I am a broke medical student. Sob me a story. Can you just send us some money so we can have a good dinner? Yes, son, Venmo. Thank you for that gift. Like financially, dad, can you help me with taxes? I don't know how to do this. Like everything financial on the list, dad, 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 dad. And the, the fear in my wife is always that the one financial request that is coming is the car that we gave him as he went out to Utah has broken down and we're gonna have to allow him to use the Discover card to make all the repairs. Like I love you, son. But I know when you call what you're calling for, help, needed help. And you believe that I will do it. And spiritually speaking, sadly, all too often we struggle in this area. And that's why today's promise is so important. Like my guess is pretty good that, that each and every one of you knows, has learned from little on, and believes to this day, you understand this promise of God that God has promised to help, right? Like who are you going to call for spiritual help? If I ask that question, you don't need an 80s pop culture expert. Most Christians could answer, God. But I'm here to tell you that, sadly, I don't think all of you believe it all the time. And sadly, I think it's perhaps the most underused promise of God, unrelied on promise that God gives to us. Because spiritually, what, un what lies beneath and in our hearts oftentimes is this thing that we believe both in life but also spiritually that we are strong enough that we are able to on our own do it like how many of you truly like asking for help like if you were raising kids right now uh, once they get to a certain age they don't want you to help they want to figure it out on their own like leave me alone I can do it and as I've gotten older that's only gotten worse like, I don't like asking the people I work with for their help. I'm smart enough. I'm strong enough. I can do it. 
I don't like asking for directions. Thank goodness for GPS on your phone. It gets you almost everywhere without having to stop at the gas station and look ridiculous that you don't know where you're going. I don't like asking for help. And you might not like that asking for help either. And oftentimes in our spiritual battles, we think, sadly, all too often that we can, we can do it on our own. Well, you can't. And I need you to hear that today. I'm gonna actually prove that to you today. I think that's the important why behind the what of this week's promise. For you to truly take to heart this promise, appreciate this promise, rely on this promise, run to this promise, is for you and me first to, to have our perspectives changed on the need for this promise in our spiritual life. And so I plan today over the next few minutes to first make a compelling why before I give you the what of the promise. Why it's so needed, why I pray you run to it, why I pray it, it's game-changing for you going forward in this life where we face so many challenges spiritually. That's what today's promise is about, the spiritual help that you and I need. And so I'm gonna give you two truths, the why, before I give you the what of the promise and the takeaway for you today. I'm going to kind of go through them fast, but there's two truths that, that are really significant, important for the why of this promise that you and I have this need for spiritual help. The first truth is this, and when you look at it, you probably go, Pastor Tim, that doesn't make a really compelling case, but let me explain it first. The first truth that I want you to, to, to see, and I'm going to give you a Bible passage that reinforces it, is this. Christianity is easy. And here's what I mean by that. The foundation of Christianity is easy. The Apostle Paul's words that I want to share with you will help you understand what I'm saying with that. When it comes to this spiritual truth of how you and I are saved, when it comes to the spiritual reality of how anyone makes it to heaven, when it comes to the, the spiritual reality uh, of a relationship with God, it's really simple. It is, as the Apostle Paul would say, not because of anything we have done. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because we've checked all the boxes, not because We've done so many good things, but he saved us because of his own purpose and his grace. Like, I want you to hear this. If you are new to Christianity or if you've been a Christian your whole life, the, the reality that God wants you to hold on to and remember that Christianity, how you get to heaven, how you get from here to there, it is all God's doing. You don't have to do it. You can't earn it. You can't check more boxes than someone else and get in. No, it's by the grace of God that you are saved. It's the gift of God who gave you faith, just like he gave Liam faith in the waters of baptism that, that you are saved. It's his doing, all his doing. I need you to see that and understand that Christianity, from that perspective, is easy. It's all him, not you. And Martin Luther, 500 years ago, celebrated that when his eyes were open to that. Like for all of his life, he had been told it was about what he did. He had to do more. He had to do enough. He had to live a life uh, that was about checking boxes. And you know where it left him? It left him with guilt and doubt. Because guilt and doubt, when you're told it's about you, is what makes and made for him Christianity so hard. But hear this first and know that truth. Christianity is easy from the perspective of how one gets to heaven, how one is saved, how one is forgiven. It's Jesus Christ, his perfect life and death, the Holy Spirit who gave you faith by grace alone, through faith alone, scripture alone. That's it. That's the list. 
and even though that's true, Martin Luther then, as his eyes were open to that, experienced another truth that, that he knew for a different reason. Martin Luther thought Christianity was hard because it depended on him. Once he realized it wasn't about him, it was freeing. But what he still experienced every day going forward from that moment, the persecution he faced, the, the struggle that he had, the challenges uh, that, that people threw his way, the, the, the spiritual battles that he endured, the temptations that the devil brought to his door, he understood still that while Christianity is easy from that perspective of being saved by grace alone, truth number two is being a Christian is hard. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian. For many reasons. And those reasons are the why behind the compelling what of, I pray you view this promise differently. I pray that it's game-changing today, that you start relying on it even more, that you rely on yourself no more, that you run to it over and over again. And, but I need you to see the why it's so important, because being a Christian is hard. It's hard, first reason, because Jesus said this, when it comes to the commandments, as he sums them up, when asked which one is the greatest, love God with your whole heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. My friends, if I said, which one of those do you think is harder? The answer is yes. They're both hard. To love God with all your heart, it's hard. Because there are even good things in this life, like a spouse and kids and family and friends and work and hobbies and interests that sadly sometimes take the number one place in your heart instead of God. And it's hard to love your neighbor as yourself. Like, I love the neighbor on my right. But the few that are like three or four, four doors down sometimes really frustrate me. I love certain people on staff a whole lot more than I love others. Just kidding. <laughs> Some people I work with are really hard to love, and all of them are like saying, <laughs> mirror. And some of you are hard to love, and you're like, Pastor Tim, you were really hard to love today when you said those words right you did at the beginning. Like, people are hard to love. Being a Christian is hard, isn't it? Reason number two, Christian, Christ, being a Christian is hard, as Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Like, to do those things that Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor, means you need to deny yourself. You need to deny yourself some pleasures the world says are, are out there because you know God says don't go there. You need to deny yourself when it's so much easier when that person pushes the buttons to lash out in anger and God says deny yourself. Instead, be humble and forgiving. It's hard when every instinct oftentimes in your life it says be selfish and God says be selfless. Denying oneself is hard. And Jesus said because you will have to deny yourself, because you will say no to certain things, it will bring crosses in your life that will be hard to carry. Like being a Christian is hard, Jesus says. You will carry a cross Different times it might be heavier, might have many more spiritual splinters. It might cause you the loss of relationships because you stand up for truths, you deny yourself, and people say, I'm done with you. 
Jesus says, I know this to be true. Being a Christian is hard. Reason number three, being a Christian is hard. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane looked at his disciples and said, I know this is going to be hard. Watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Like, I know you want to. I know you are willing. It's not for a lack of effort. Like, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, I know you want to give it the old college try, but I know that your, your spirit is weak. Like, the old college try only gets it done about 10% of the time. Like, you and I are weak spiritually. Why do we struggle with our spiritual battles? Why do we need help? Because the flesh is weak. And maybe if you sum them all up, reason number four, the Apostle Paul said, I know the good, that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good. I want to do what is good. The Apostle Paul loved God, and he wanted to love his neighbor. The Apostle Paul understood carrying crosses. He, he understood his willingness to, to, to do, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work in me, this log at work inside of my heart. Although I want to do good, evil is right there, right here, inside of me and inside of you is the biggest problem and why it is so hard to be a Christian because you have a sinful nature and this side of heaven, it will never disappear. It will never go away. It will rear its ugly head. It will knock at the door of your heart. It will seek you to, to run after pleasures. It'll push you down paths that cause hurt and destruction. It'll cause you to cave to temptation, like right here. Like the reason past, Pastor Tim is selfish in his relationships, right here. The reason why sometimes when my son says, I need some help, I say no, even though I could. It's maybe sometimes here. And I need you to see that and understand that because being a Christian is so hard and because the problem is internal, because our flesh is weak, because crosses are heavy, because God's call to action is really big and, and all-inclusive is why you and I need to remember this promise, rely on this promise, and take advantage of this promise more often than we do. Like when you are tempted in the future, remember the promise I'm about to give to you and don't cave to the fact that everyone is doing it or don't cave to the fact that it's too hard. You can't ever overcome it. That is not what God says. God promises he will always provide a way out when tempted. You will never be tempted beyond what you can bear. The spiritual battle, God promises you a way out. But it's not you and your strength. It's not you and, and you alone. No, you need Jesus and you need God. It's the only way to do it. When the cross is heavy and you feel like giving up, when, when Christianity is so hard that you say it would be easier and better to just to walk away from it, Jesus makes a promise to you to help. Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. The one who carried the cross, I want you to have my yoke, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. Like, he promises to help. And here's the thing I want you to see in this promise before we get to the promise. He can deliver the goods. He can deliver the goods. Because at the end of the day, the thing you and I needed 
help with that we could not help ourselves in any way, shape, or fashion was being delivered from sin and the deserved punishment of hell and the wrath of God. That's why God promised a Savior to Adam and Eve. He repeated it over and over and over again, and, and he sent Jesus to help you and to me to take away our sins, and he did it through his perfect life and his death on the cross and his resurrection, giving you and I new life and hope and help. Like, that's why this promise is so essential. Because on our own, we are broken. Spiritually, we are desperate. And in our struggles with the devil, we are weak and crosses are heavy. Like, you know this. Who are you going to call? Like, in the first service, I asked the question. I didn't get Ghostbusters from a little kid up front. He goes, God? I'm like, dude. Like, I got 30 minutes of content here. But that's it. Like the faith of a little child gets it. But when we get older, we forget it. We stop calling on him. Like stop thinking that you can defeat your blind spot. Stop thinking that that pet sin that, that gets you all the time, you can overcome. Stop thinking that, that on your own, you'll control your, your anger issues. No, Jesus can help you control all those things. Jesus can help you fix the broken relationship. Jesus can help you with that blind spot. He can help you put people in your life to call it out, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie that you can do it on your own. And so if I've convinced you, who are you going to call? That you're going to call on God. Let me share with you the promise of God and give you the truth that I pray you hold on to and you'll remember when you're facing temptation, when your flesh is weak, when the cross is heavy, when God's call to, to love him and others seems so hard. Listen to the one who makes the promise. He first makes the case for why you should go to him. Since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, so Jesus has returned back home. He came to earth. He went to the cross that he carried, paid the price, and is now ruling over all things, and he promises for the good of his church. And last time I checked, if you are a Christian, you are a part of the church. Your name is written on the palm of his hands. That means he is ruling over all things for your good. We're going to get to that promise in a few weeks. But that's who he is, ruling over all things. He's the son of God, God himself, the one who was there at creation, and he is your high priest. The high priest is the one who went before God's throne on a regular basis, sprinkled the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. What makes Jesus the great high priest is he is the blood of the sacrifice, and he stands before God, and, and in those spiritual struggles for all the times you failed, when the devil wants you to doubt that you could be forgiven and loved by God, no, Jesus sends the message loud and clear, God, look at me, they are holy, and they are cleansed through the blood of the Lamb, let us hold unswerving to the faith that we profess because of who He is. And what I love about this next verse, it's so amazing. Why call on Him because of who He is? Why call on Him for help? Because He gets it. Like all too often, people just don't get it. Like, and you don't call on them for help when they can't get it, right? Like when they won't understand, when they can't. Uh, understand what you're going through, you, you, you find somebody else in your list. Well, Jesus knows the spiritual battles. He knows how heavy crosses are. He knows how it's, what it's like to be tempted. Like the devil put temptations in front of him that were hard. And I know you don't know, would say that they weren't hard for him. Yes, they were because he was true man. They were hard. He was hungry. Like to not have to go through the cross that he was going to have to carry when the devil offered him the whole world. Like that was hard. And so he gets it and he gets you. 
We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Like sympathy is to have pity for someone who's going through a difficult time, but empathy is to put oneself in another's shoes, to really feel the pain, to to truly understand that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy, and Jesus can empathize with you and me because he endured the temptations that the devil sent, and he overcame them. So you know he can help because he did it. He can empathize with how hard it is and how heavy a cross is because he went through it Like, you can call me up and I will try and help you through anything that you're going through, but I'm gonna point you in the direction of the one who alone has the ability to help all the time, every time. His promises are good and he gets what you're going through. And here's his promise. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Approach the throne of God Like God, through the blood of Jesus, allows you and me to approach him, to come into his presence, to literally say, I need your help. And here's what he'll say to you. You have mercy, (laughs) compassion, (laughs) and I give you grace. And just like the Apostle Paul began saying, your grace is sufficient for us. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. When we need help, Lord Jesus, you are the strongest. Like his grace is offered to you. The one who came to help, who made you God's child, the grace of God that is yours helps us in our times of need. It points us back in the direction of Jesus. I can't tell you that life will get any easier and the spiritual struggles will get any less. I can't tell you the cross will get lighter, but God will help you carry it and get you through it until you reach the promised land which is only possible because of his help. Yes, Christianity can be hard. I wanted you to see that why, to make this promise that much more powerful. But Christ promises to help. Like the one who helped, the one who rescued, the one who rules, the one who will one day come back. He promises you and me. He gets it. He understands it. He's gone through it. I want to help. So the next time the devil knocks and that temptation seems too hard to resist, can I, can I tell you to, to tell the devil to flee from you? That's what God says to do. Say Jesus' name. Beat him back. If you fall and fail, run to the throne of grace and ask for forgiveness. If what you're going through is really heavy and really hard, call on God today. Come, he says, come to me and he'll give you rest. Who are you gonna call when you need help, when the cross is heavy, when the temptation is real, when your spirit is weak? Call on Christ. Call on God. Like, I believe there's going to come a time, please God, when my son stops calling me for help. (laughs) Like, the goal is to get through medical school. Like, and after a few years and he pays off all those big bills, I might be calling him for help. (laughs) Daddy wants to retire sooner, son. And I don't know what he'll call me for because needs change in this side of heaven. I'm glad he calls me for help. I'm glad I can be there for him for help. I might have to rely on him for help with my age going up and my medical needs and questions that I have. Like In life, those people change. Thank God for those people. But this promise from God never changes. (laughs) He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promise to you and to me, no matter how heavy the cross, no matter how big the temptation, no matter how hard it is, he will help. Who are you going to call? God.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for grace and mercy in our time of need. And Lord, spiritually, the battles are real. This life is hard. We need your help, so help us overcome the lies that we're good enough and strong enough on our own. Like, we know Christianity is easy. You've done it all. You saved us. But being a Christian is hard. And the devil is coming at us. And our flesh is all too often too weak, and our sinful nature is real. So Lord, pray for everyone here. If they're new to Christianity, they celebrate how easy it is, but rely on you for help. I pray for those of us who've known it for 50 plus years, that we might not take it for granted or think we know enough that we don't need it. Like, we need help. So Lord, I pray for us as a church that this promise resonates in a new way, that we see why we need it and what it is, and that we rely on it even more every day because we love you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done and for what it means for us, this side of heaven, until that day we join you in the promised land.